Hey guys, welcome to our Sermon of the Week podcast. Today's message is from Tom Sibley. If you're interested in partnering with us, check out our app, our website, for ways to give. Yeah, here we go. All right. So, so I'm going to talk about destiny. Everybody sitting in this room has destiny. There's only one problem. We have to decide what we're going to do with our destiny. Everybody has choices. I have prayed. Nathan called me on Friday. He's lost his voice. He's not feeling well. And he says, would you preach? I said, I got it. How many know the, how many know the most dangerous person on the platform is the person who doesn't normally preach because he's got a hundred sermons inside that he doesn't wait somehow to get out and you get asked and you go, I think I'm just going to vomit on everybody. Here we go. The vomit sermon. (laughs) If you're like me, somebody vomits around you. I'm the guy that goes, Cindy, Cindy, can you clean that up? You know, because I'm going to make... I'm going to make more mess. How about you, right? So, 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 so let me ask this first question. How many of you in this room, we have a thing at Providence called a meal train. That means people make meals for people who are going through things who need help for meals. If you've been a part of a meal train and you've made, a, I mean, one meal for another person in this house, I want you to stand up. Come on. Come on. That's right. Lasagna. Every person in this journey for Cindy and I, because she instructed me, I was supposed to say thank you. If you have made a meal for Tom, whoa, 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 why are you sitting down? Thank you. Get up. Sorry, sorry, I'm dangerous when I get up here, I know I'm dangerous. My point is, when anybody ever hands me a meal, which they've done on Wednesdays and Sundays to take home for Cindy, I tell them this statement, thank you, because this is church. This is church. Somebody hands somebody a meal. I cannot tell you, those of you that are standing, the reason I'm making you ruthlessly stand is because you are church. It's called Meal Church. And Cindy and I have been the beneficiaries of Meal Church, but other people in this body. So when I come on a Sunday, I get to celebrate all the church that I've had all week long. If church doesn't function that way, then we just come together as an audience. This is the army. These are the ones that are saying, I'm in, I'm participating. I'm a part of the army of the Lord that touches other people in the body. And I just want to say on behalf of my wife, Cindy's watching, I love you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can sit down now. And everybody beyond Tom and Cindy says, If they were standing here, I promise you they would say thank you. Thank you. Now we get to come in here and we just get to celebrate everything that everybody's done all week long to have church. I've had some some hunting church this week. 
the deer are still roaming. I didn't danger, I did not danger the herd. I scared them, I didn't danger them. I have had meal church. It's a good church. How many like to eat? Meal church is good church. And then I get to waltz in here and I get to have a celebration of everything we got to be as the body of Christ to represent who he is out there. I want to talk about destiny because what walked into this room, what walked through the doors, what I've been praying is the power of the Holy Spirit would change the decisions you make as you waltz out these doors. Because to me, the power of the living word of God is that we come in to hear it, not to stay status quo, but for something to come alive in my spirit so that when I walk back out those doors, I'm not the same person as when I walked in those doors. I want um, Carrie the drummer girl. Where is she? I want Tyler Hornsberger. I want Luke Flickinger. I want Anna Herndon. Uh, I want Chris Fastardis. I want them all come to stand. I want Noah, my keyboard guy. I want you all come stand with me. Come on, come on. Where's Noah? You got your phone? Okay. These lives represent destiny. Some of this happened this morning. Some of this is stirring in my spirit. I'm going to go, if you want to do this while they're congregating, Malachi chapter 4. We're going to go to the very last verses of the Old Testament. So why did I call Carrie up here? Because she's got something in here. No? Okay, she's just been eating a little, a little more than normal over the... That, that is one thing you never ask a woman who you think is pregnant. Are you pregnant? <laughs> no. Oh, not good. So, so in here is a child, and I love what it says in Jeremiah. Before he was in his mother's womb, he was called, he was called to be a prophet to the nations. When this baby comes out of this woman, this destiny has already been assigned before it was ever formed. So now we have parents that are responsible for the first time in their lives to call forth the destiny that is in this child. And I'm going to talk about that today because that is a massive responsibility. The destiny of this woman has been shaped by Philip Herndon because I've heard a little bit of the backstory of who she is and, and where she's come from in her previous ministry experiences to be here today to drum on a drum set. How many know every drum beat is speaking to a destiny in the house, right? I believe that with all my heart. Worship matters in the house. Every time I watch her and I see her beat a drum, I know that it is casting something into this atmosphere beyond the, what we can experience. There's something supernatural that's taking place in worship. She's a part of that, but somebody spoke into her destiny to call her forth. Now she gets the opportunity to do that for her child, right? That's why I called you up here. You're pregnant. 
Tyler, Tyler, Tyler is pregnant. Pull your phone out. I'm going to announce today that men can be pregnant. This is what he is pregnant with. Somebody wrote him this this week, right? This week? Yeah, should I have a mic? Yeah, you can. Yeah, get a mic. Get a mic. Should I have a mic? Yes, you should. That's a mic. That's a mic. So, so this is what he is about to read he's pregnant with, all right, that we're going to pray that God will birth the reality before it's seen. This was sent to me this morning from a very trusted pastor and friend here in York. It says, the Lord has been waiting to hear the sound of your dreams knocking on the door of his heart, for he promises that he will grant them all to you. This is the year of reawakened dreams. You know what doesn't make that work? Prayer. Excuse me? You know what makes that work? Believing prayer. See, religious people pray. Intimate people believe what they pray. Because that word right there is pregnant, but has not yet been born. But it's going to be born when he prays, believing prayers into that, and does this. Faith without works is dead. We can pray and pray and pray and pray. I'll tell you what I'm learning about my wife going through cancer. You can pray and you can pray and pray, but there better be an associated action that you believe what you're praying. I've had, well, I'll share this with you in a minute. Christmas star. Why do I have Christmas Stardis up here? <laughs> because I know Christmas Stardis backstory, and I think somehow we're blood, are we blood brothers? Blood brothers. Come on, man. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, we are. <laughs> Christmas Stardust, just this is a one minute thing. I've heard that like the beginning of the beginning of your experience with Providence, like white, right back to the apartment day, right? Mm-hmm. And while you're standing here playing bass guitar at this church, listen to this. Is it on? Yeah, yep. It wasn't me, it, was, no, it was Noelia. It wasn't me. <laughs> okay, Noelia. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for dragging yeah, him. You want a real short? Yeah. Okay, so we used to call the cops on the church. That's a, I don't want it to be too loud. I, um, and then we, we moved as far away as we could get from the church. And then God said, no, no, I'm going to put you real close to the church. So we moved right down from Nathan. And then Nathan said to me one day, I, I need you to play bass on Christmas Eve. And I said, sure, I've never played bass for worship. I'll do it. So then we came, I, I was ready for that set, and I said, Nathan, I need to tell you something, buddy, because they still didn't know. I said, um, did somebody used to call the cops on you guys a couple years back? He's like, yeah. I said, that was me. <laughs> Come on. So I'm Come sorry, <laughs> but hey, I'm here. Like, and it's been, it's been 11 years. Come so. on. Come on. That's good. Give it to Noah. So, I love that story. Don't you love that story? Like, that's destiny. 
We're going to collide him into a church that's really loud and aggravates him and makes him mad, and then we're going to set him up here to play bass guitar. Come on, only God can do that stuff. So I come in this morning, and I, and I go up to Noah. He's, they're doing worship practice, and I said, Noah, so when are you going back? He said, I'm not going back. And I went, oh, you're not going back to school. Okay, what are you doing? So, so the plan is right now I'm going to be home working full time, still serving like I was um, until pretty much the end of summer. And then God called me out to, um, to Texas. I'm going to be a part of a Lifestyle Christianity University down in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. So it's going to be fun. I'm excited. You know what we call that? A destiny decision. God is shaping the destiny of a young man who has said, okay, yes, Lord, I will do that. It doesn't make maybe logical sense, but I'm in. I'm going to make the transition. It just shifted the destiny of his life on one decision that he made, right? All right, let me move down here. This is Luke Flickinger, and I, I am going to prophesy this over him. <laughs> There's going to be a day where this young man stands in front of a crowd, and out of the pain of his journey, he's going to call young men and women to come follow Christ. Every time I see you, Luke, what do I ask you? Did I write my story yet? Did you write your story yet? You know why I'm interested in this young man writing his story? So that he knows his story. Because his story, if you put them together, makes history. This young man will make history in the kingdom of God. He will call a generation of broken young men and women. I have said this to him, that he will be like a Pied Piper for other young men and women who are broken. I'm not going to have him share his story today, but he someday will stand on this platform. He will share his story, and it will wreck your life because you'll see what God can do when all the odds are against them. A destiny is being shaped. It's being shaped. And I believe, I believe, I believe in the voice of another to speak life, which is prophecy, into the life of somebody to see it come to pass. Anna, take the microphone. So when I first came, this is the beautiful daughter of uh, Philip and Carrie Herndon. Right? And, and he's the worship pastor, and I see this young girl, and she sings. Of course she does. Her dad's the worship pastor. But every time I saw Anna right from the very beginning, I kept looking at her and saying, what kind of things did I say to you? I don't remember. Oh, oh you're, you're going to remember. You wanted me to sing, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, I called her into spaces that were uncomfortable. She made this statement to me one day. She said, Tom, you're stretching me. I don't know if I like it, but I know it's good for me. You know why I'm speaking those things and calling her out? Because I know there's a destiny on this life. 
Her dad stands center stage now, but there will be a time, whether a platform is involved or not, where this woman will call people into the presence of God. I, along with her parents, primarily her parents because they're followers of Christ, but all I can tell you is the voice in the life of a young person from a significant other adult other than their parents weighs a lot. It reinforces what can't be heard from mom and dad because somebody else is saying it besides mom and dad. Make sure you know who you're putting your young people around that are older and wiser because they'll be speaking things into their life that either can make a difference or can abort their destiny. This girl has something on her life because this is about the sweetest girl you'll ever meet, right? There's a sense of personality in who God's created her to be that when she will welcome people into the presence of God, they will easily come because of what she carries both in personality and in anointing. You ready? That's, that's what we have to do. Why is a youth pastor important? To speak those things over young men and women. All right? You guys were awesome. Thank you. Here, Chris. Chris. Chris, the starters. Can you put that over there? Thank you. So let me read this first. Malachi chapter 4. Come on. Let's go here. I pray this will cut you to the heart. Verse 5. It starts out and it says, see. Well, let me stop there. That, we didn't get very far. Malachi is a prophet. Prophets are seers. They see things before other people see them, and when they say them, people look cross-eyed at them because they can't yet see it. But it's already, it's already there. It's what prophets do. They call people to see what is yet to come and encourage them to take the path. That's a prophet. So when Caleb gets up here on a Sunday morning, which he hadn't done in a while, but, and he says, hey, you guy back there in the plaid shirt, you know, you got the red hair, and, blah, blah, blah. and he says, this is what the Lord says. He's seeing their journey that they don't yet see. And I can tell you that when a seer speaks into your life, it erupts something in your spirit. Can I tell you the significant moments in my life? I remember a woman wrote, hand wrote a prophetic word to me. I take those prophetic words, I read them, I put them in a folder, and I let God worry about it. I don't chase it. I don't try to make it happen. If it's from the Lord, guess what will happen? It will happen. It was this word, and I'll, it's a brief, I'll give it briefly, but it was like a four-page, five-page thing. Tom, I saw you running onto the court with the Harlem Globetrotters. I saw the number 12 on your back when you ran onto the court, and God says you will trot the globe, and you will disciple young men and women. I want to tell you it was almost 10 years later Cindy and I got involved with what was called the world race, and we trotted the globe. We've been to every part, every nation but Antarctica to mentor and to disciple young adults. 
The power of a spoken word over a life that becomes reality has the power to change a destiny. I'm praying that this morning under the power of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the word of God, what God can do to penetrate a heart and a mind. You may have come in disinterested, but I pray you will go out just a little bit curious about the destiny that God has for your life. What did Malachi see? I will send the prophet Elijah. Now he in this passage is referring to the spirit of Elijah. He's referring to John the Baptist who hasn't yet come, but he will come. He is seeing a John the Baptist in the wilderness. Before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes, catch this, verse six, he will turn the hearts of the parents, King James says, the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. I want to show you some pictures. You ready, Chris? Let's throw the first one up there. This is like we're going to Tom's Facebook page. There you go. Oh, see that little guy there on the dad's lap? <laughs> That's me. Isn't he cute? When I look at that picture, I go, I have no idea what God is going to do with that young man's life. But I know that there is a destiny wrapped up because that is a human being that has been born into this world for a purpose for the kingdom of God. Put the next one up, Chris. I only got five. I'm like a proud grandparent or something. Look at that. We call that a Fu Manchu. We call that, we call that a guy who used to have hair. <laughs> that was our wedding day, right? What a beautiful, man, I did good, didn't I? She is the bomb diggity. I got you. Throw the next one up. Oh, yeah, come on. Come on, there's our, there's our daughter and our son, Brittany and Scott. Wrapped up in that picture are two young people that were born into our life. Get ready. That we were responsible to shape what God wanted to do in their journey. Next one. That was Brittany trying to take a selfie. Scott hates pictures. And she said something way off the wall, and we just lost it, and I love this picture. That's them as grown adults. We're through the season. Throw the, throw the last one up. This is Tom and Cindy in Hawaii because we can now go there because our children are gone. <laughs> right? Any empty nesters in here? Can you say Freedom. It just works that way. So, so you know, this, this is what we're good at as Christians, throwing Facebook pictures up, right? And God forbid we ever throw up the ugly ones because we only want everybody to think we got it all together. And if anybody does put a rant on there about how they're struggling and how they're, the, the Facebook police come on and go, you should not be posting that on Facebook. Come on, only give us the good things about your life. Make it look good. Put a smile on. Come on, act like everything's all right. 
Can I tell you in between all those stages of life is a whole lot of mess. But can I tell you in between all those pictures is a whole lot of destiny. At five years old, my dad and my mom decide to split and we go, my, my mom and, uh, and then the kids go to Maine and we live in Maine for nine months. My dad stayed in Pennsylvania, <clears throat> but God had a destiny on this life that couldn't be aborted because of a separation or for some, a divorce. What I love about the stories, I would love to have everybody just waltz through here and tell us your story because we all have one. We get to choose what we're going to do with our story. The hearts of the fathers turn in the last passage of the Old Testament to the children. So that the children can turn to the fathers. Now, you can put that in the context of family, biological family. You could also put that in the context of spiritual family. So we've got a Lou sitting over here as a spiritual father in the house could turn his heart to the children. Listen, we are called children of God, right? That's who we are, sons and daughters. We are children of God. You can't even get into the kingdom of God without being a child. So get over it and just go ahead and act like a kid. What's up, what parts of a kid do we want you to be like? Not immature. We just want you to believe whatever you hear from God. Because when you believe it, it happens. Believing prayer is what changes the course of destiny. But you have to believe. But we need fathers that will turn. That word turn in the original language doesn't mean just go like this. It means to turn back or to restore See, Malachi, right now in the Israelites' journey, the temple has been restored and worship has been restored. If I've ever been in a church that has a house of worship, it is Providence Community Church has a house of worship. This is a temple. You are a temple, more importantly, of the Holy Spirit. So we don't need a building to be a temple. We need a body to be a temple, a person to carry the temple. But there was one thing missing. Here's what Malachi calls this, this Israelite people too. He has rebuilt the temple. He has built a house of worship, but he says, repent. Can I tell you that this morning repentance matters? Things going on in our life are aborting the destiny that God had before you were in your mother's womb because every one of us are a child and we have a father who is looking at his children and saying, but do you believe you are who I say you are or do you believe because of the circumstances of your life that your circumstances say that's who you are. Why, why does abortion matter? Kills a life. You know what the greater thing is? It kills a destiny. 
How many businessmen who know how to sow into the kingdom of God have been aborted since abortion started? How many prophets have been aborted since abortion started? How many fathers have been aborted since abortion started? How many pastors have been aborted since abortion started? You see, the massive overwhelming override of abortion is there's no child to turn to. The life was ended. What if we aborted the young person that was going to create the cure for cancer? Could it be? Could. It could. It could. What is the framework of abortion? Well, we know the plan of the enemy, right? John 10.10, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Mission. That's his mission. How does he do that? Can I tell you something that has been alive in my heart for like the last 15 years? Identity. He will come to strip you of your identity so you will never fulfill the destiny of your life. If you don't know who you are, you can't fulfill what is to come for the kingdom. You can't. You may fulfill your kingdom. Listen, I am at Providence Community Church not to build Providence Community Church kingdom. I am at this church to build the kingdom. Guess where that kingdom is? Everywhere. In this region that I plant my foot, that is the kingdom that I am called to change. If I think I'm going to burn all of my energy and all of my hours inside a building with a whole bunch of people and not care about the homeless guy down on the streets of Hanover, I am sadly mistaken because then I'm building my kingdom. Listen, a church with a destiny on it is a church that changes everybody's destiny has the power of Christ to go and speak a message to a girl that was enslaved in sex trade, has been pulled out, and now the kingdom of God gets to speak to that young girl the destiny that is on her life. You want to say, oh, how can that happen? Well, how did Rahab happen? A prostitute in the hall of faith. A prostitute. You see, God can take any life, no matter the broken mess that it's in, and he can reestablish the destiny that he had in it before they were ever in their mother's womb. He has the power to do that. You have a prodigal. God has the power to change it. He has the power to change it. What's incredible to me is I I wrote this to my son. I, I do these things called legacy notes. When I feel prompted to do it, I don't do it every week, and I don't do it on a time schedule. I do it when I feel God put something in my heart. I wrote this to my son last night. Keep dreaming, Scott. Dreams are those things we have a passion and gift to see become reality. You have many dreams yet to be filled. Don't quit. Love you, son. And then I walk in this morning during worship practice, and they're singing this song about dreaming. And I'm like... You got my attention, God. See, it's my responsibility as a father to turn my heart to Scott and Brittany and to help keep their dreams and destiny alive. 
turning means I have to keep restoring my heart. Turn, look at this, turn the hearts, turn the hearts. My responsibility as a father is to keep turning my heart, keep turning my heart, keep restoring my heart, keep my heart pure. Have I gotten off the track? Uh Uh-huh. We're messy. We're sinful. We're imperfect. I can tell you that whatever situation you will ever find yourself in life, it may be that God called you to the wilderness of that situation to make your destiny. Sitting on my dad's lap till today, I marvel at what God has done with my life. It has been a train wreck at times. It has been a fulfilled purpose in the hands of a loving God. And that is all of us. All I care about is, are you living the destiny that God assigned to you before you were thought of? Because he's got one. Don't miss it. Would it not be a tragedy to get to the end of your life and go, I don't think I fulfilled whatever it was God had for me. I don't think there's anything worse than dying with regrets. I get a phone call. I'm in Iowa, and I've shared this, and and the doctor said, you have cancer. I said, okay, um, cool. I I had a trip planned to go to South Africa. Guess what I did? I went to South Africa. While I'm in South Africa and I'm shaking a man's hand, he says, I have never met this guy. I shake his hand. He says, you are to move to South Africa. Whoa, 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 whoa. I got to go home and get cancer surgery. I go home and get cancer surgery, and if I'm going to make the leap to go to South Africa, Cindy's going to lose her insurance. I've got cancer. We go through the surgery, and this was my, listen, this is my journey. I'm not telling you to do this. This is my journey. God said, go. And I said, yes, Lord, because my loyalty is to him. And I lost my insurance after cancer surgery because I said to myself, I would rather live 10 years of obedience, 20 years of obedience. I would rather go do the wild thing with God than I would to play it safe and stay home. When it's been clear, the prophet has looked me in the eye and said, you're supposed to move to South Africa, a man I have never met. See, see, that gentleman saw something about Tom and Cindy and he spoke it as if it were already happening. I remember going to Life Center at a pastor's luncheon and this guy by the name of Jim Gall walks into the room. I've never met Jim Gall. I've started this prayer movement called the 30-second kneel down, calling young people to the hallways of their lockers. And Jim Gall looks at me. He says, you've been called to call an army forward on their knees. You are to call a prayer revival forward. I have never met this guy in my life, but I've already started a 30-second kneel down, calling young people on their knees. You see, there's moments when a seer says something to you and you have a moment to make a decision. 
But when you have kingdom focus, you just do what the Father tells you to do. I don't play it safe. I obey what the Father says. It changes destinies. So the hearts of the fathers, right? Malachi's calling a church to repentance. Everything looked good in the temple. Everything looked good in worship. But it was the hearts that needed to change. Could it be that we are in a place in the body of Christ where if we would repent of the things that we so easily hold on to that are aborting our destinies, if we would repent and turn, be restored, turn back to the original intent of your life, it would change and shape your individual journey. Can I tell you what else it will do? It will change the absolute destiny of this body of people. Chris got up this morning, and I hadn't shared this with him, but this is a word that's been burning in my heart for this church. He said, fruit. Fruit isn't for you. God has been speaking to me about this church, and he said, Tom, this church will go through another pruning process. Well, that sounds like fun. He said, John chapter 15. I have to prune to bring more fruit. I don't know what all this season of pruning is going to look like. I have some ideas that I'll keep to myself and pray into, but I don't like the idea of pruning. I have never liked it personally, and I don't like it corporately, but I've experienced both. But it's for one purpose, John 15. If I stay in relationship with him, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. If I stay in relationship with him, if I stay in relationship with him. See, it's one thing to go to church. It's another thing to have relationship with him. Some of you need to learn to encourage yourself in the Lord. Tom, how do you do that? It's called read the word of God and meditate on it. Let me tell you, this first came across my path this week in Psalms. Meditate on the law of the Lord so that you can convert your soul. What is in the soul? It's the passions and the desires, the appetites of a person. How many want your appetites and passions to convert? I do, because sometimes my passions are out of line. Sometimes my passions take greater priority than my passion for Christ, and the Holy Spirit's coming. And he's saying, turn your heart, restore your heart. Tom, you got to turn from that thing. That's a passion and a desire. It's not even that it's an evil thing. It's just taking the place of him and his passion. See, most of us run around looking for somebody else to encourage us. And I'm not telling you that's wrong. Hebrews says encourage one another daily, even more so as you see the day approaching. We need to encourage each other. But there's going to come a season, a time, and you've probably experienced this in your life, where you're going to have to encourage yourself in the Lord. Nobody can get it for you and pray it on you. You have to go to the Word of God, meditate on it, so that your soul would be converted. That's right. Mm. Let's jump to Luke. Go over to Luke. Come on. Hang in there. Yeah. Hang in there. Here we go. You ready? I'm going warp speed now. 
Luke chapter 1, verse number 16. Who's being born? John the Baptist. Zachariah and Elizabeth. Zachariah, they want to name him Zachariah. And Elizabeth goes, no! John is his name. How many know sometimes a name is a destiny? When you name your child, think of the destiny that you want over that child. Here it says in verse 16, he will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. That sounds like a pretty good destiny, doesn't it? And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Go over to chapter 2. That's John the Baptist. Oh, let me, let me read uh, verse 80 in chapter 1. And the child grew, John the Baptist grew, and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. How many know God puts you in the wilderness for one purpose, to prepare you for the destiny to come? Wilderness represents intimacy. Wilderness represents preparation. How many know that when you step out in faith, it, I heard this from Michael Todd this week, I, I, it, it, it's profound. How many know when you step out in faith, it's crazy until it happens? I want a bunch of crazy people that sit around my table. I don't want logical people. I want illogical people. When faith sits at the table, structure follows faith. Strategy follows faith. Where do you get faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Where do you take the word of God and meditate on it and pray it into existence? You intercede and you pray. Why is a house of prayer the first thing that God said to build? Because he knew that prayer changes destinies. But not Pharisee praying. They knew how to pray. I'm talking about believing praying. I'm talking about praying that when you sit at a table and God says do this, you don't know how in the world it's going to happen, but you take a step and you look crazy until it happens. I've got a lot of experience sitting around a lot of elders tables having a lot of elders meetings. You know what my deepest passion for anybody in leadership in the church is? That they know how to pray, they know how to bring faith to the table, and then they know how to structure and strategize the faith they brought to the table. But you know what normally I've experienced is? We bring the logical to the table. We bring man's opinion to the table. We plan it. We strategize it. And we, oh, we, oh, we were supposed to pray the blessing on the thing I came up with. How many know when you do it in reverse order, you build your kingdom, not his kingdom? See, if the house isn't built on prayer that exudes faith that requires a step into nothingness, it appears to be crazy until it happens. You have the wrong people sitting at the wrong table. If you don't have men of prayer sitting at a table, you don't have women of God sitting at a table that know how to pray and then step into believing prayer and knowing that the Father is saying this, but logically it looks like this on paper. Let me give you this illustration. When I was called out 
of ministry life and I had no paycheck and I had nothing and I didn't know where I was going and God said, do this. And I would sit and I literally didn't make one phone call to go preach anywhere. And I found myself standing in Lutheran and Presbyterian and Baptist and United Brethren and Brethren in Christ, uh, uh, Assemblies of God and Charismatic. And I would find myself, Lutheran, I would find myself standing here going, how did I get here? I don't know these people. I don't have networked relationships. And God the Father says, you turned your heart towards me. And I'm sending you to make a difference. Thank you, God. Honest to God, I'd sit in my office in the basement and I would put together a budget. And I'd try to figure out how I was going to pay my bills. Because when you're traveling and you have no routine, I'm not getting a paycheck. You don't know how it's going to happen. You just have to trust. I'm strategic thinker. I'm a planner by nature. And I remember the day I would sit and I would write down, okay, I'm going to pay my bills because I've got this meeting and I'd be sorting and I'd be figuring. And, I'd be, and one day, God, I heard the voice of the Lord say, Tom, it won't work on paper. Faith does not work on paper. Faith doesn't work in this realm of the, sen- the five senses. It doesn't work. We have a responsibility to imagine things that haven't yet been done. And I believe we're on 70 acres of ground, not to build our kingdom. We're here to build the kingdom. But if this kingdom on this hill does not spread into the world that is around us, into the streets of Hanover, into the streets of Spring Grove, into the streets of York, Pennsylvania, then we are building our own kingdom on a hill. I am out. I'm here to build his kingdom that will require a walk by faith. The righteous live by faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Jesus asked, will I find faith when I return to the earth? A lot of people live in a religious life without much faith because it's crazy. It doesn't make sense. If I'd ask people's opinions about whether I should move to South Africa having lost insurance and just gone through cancer surgery, I promise you there would have been logical people that would sit around that table. Now, you need to think about that. You know what I've learned? Don't put those people at my table. That sounds obnoxious. I get it. My wife's gone through cancer. You know who I want? People that'll speak life and faith and healing. I don't want people going, well, what's the report? Well, that doesn't sound good. Well, that sounds pretty bad. Well, you know, I know a lady that died from blah, blah, blah. Thank you. You can now step out of my life. I'm serious. We have to ask ourselves, where are we on the journey of faith? It matters. You can't please God without it. It has to be ingredient in your journey. I have done crazy things in my lifetime, but it's because my focus is the kingdom of God and pleasing him with the destiny of this life. 
Have I done it all right? No. Sometimes he has sent me to the wilderness. Did Moses kill the Egyptian? Yes, he did. Did he go to the wilderness? Yes, he did. Did the burning bush come? Yes, it did. Why did it come? Because probably so much shame and guilt on his life because of the way he did it the first time. God had to bring a burning bush to wake him up and say, you're still the man. That's the beauty of a dream. That's the beauty of a destiny. That's the beauty of what you can't yet see. You may have lost it. You may have sinned. You may have wandered. You may find yourself in the wilderness, but he says to you, I still want to bring the destiny out in you. Come on. That, that is faith. That is hope. I say this to Nathan every day since 2022, and I believe this with all my heart. There's been some rough days in this place, right? I said to Nathan, I said, it's going to be the best year you've ever experienced. And then something happens, and we start talking, and I go, Nathan, ministry's fun, isn't it? I said, this will be the best year you've ever had. And I said, I'm going to keep saying it because I believe it. The power of life and death as in that thing I have. You have the ability to bring things into existence, and you have the ability to kill it. Just speak negative, speak death, and it will happen. I'll close with this. Gosh, see, I told you I'm going to vomit. I, I could, I still feel sick. I could keep vomiting. Jesus comes into the world. There's a guy by the name of Simeon in chapter 2 that hangs on. He's not leaving this earth. He's an old man, but he's not leaving until Jesus comes. And he takes Jesus in the temple with Joseph and Mary. He holds him up and he says to them, this child is destined. Can I ask you as a parent, how many times have you spoken destiny over your children? Because you either abort their destiny or you will speak into their destiny and the choices in the power of your words over them. Got choices, right? Why do I think Luke Flickinger is going to be a young man? Because I'm going to speak life to the pain that he was born into until he believes it. Because it matters. There is a destiny written on that life that can and will make a difference. And I'm going to say it until I'm not in his life. And then it's going to be his choice whether to do it or not. Friday, Nathan asked me to preach. I'm sitting at the kitchen counter. I'm preparing the sermon. A young man from... from Missouri calls me that was in my youth ministry in Des Moines, Iowa. And he says, Tom, I have a word for you and Cindy. And he's, he's in tears. I looked at my phone and for 56 minutes, he prophesied over Cindy and I. And all I can tell you about Corey is that's not the Corey I've experienced in my life. I've known him since he was a teenager. Cindy and I would try to say something. He'd go, I'm not done. I'm not done. I'm not done. Cindy, you're an angel. Cindy, you will, have, you will have a ministry with your daughter. Tom, you got to be a lion. You got to keep roaring until the day you're gone. You got to roar like a lion. You got to let the fire burn in your heart and you got to speak it, Tom. 
I'm listening to this kid. I'm about halfway through my sermon prep, and I'm listening to this kid who I spoke into in his life journey as a teenager. He's now speaking back into my life, and I'm going, God, I'm talking about destiny on Sunday, and here's a destiny that I got to speak into. And he calls me on the phone in the middle of my prep. Do you think God was in that? I know he was. Simeon says to Joseph and Mary, this child is destined. The power of another adult in your child's life to speak to them, what God is saying is incredibly powerful. Find the right people to speak the right things into your children. There's a lot of voices out there. There's a cancel culture out there. There's an identity killer out there. Let's pray. God, every person in this room has a destiny. It was, it was, <laughs> it was put in them before they were in their mother's womb. time for the fathers biologically to turn to their children and in that turning some of you need to repent before you turn because you will speak the wrong thing and some of you need to repent to your kids and tell them you're sorry for not believing in the destiny that God birthed them into this world with some of you need to repent of your sin that's being passed down generationally So when you turn, don't just turn to your child, turn with purpose. And there's spiritual fathers in this house that have to turn to sons and daughters that are yet being raised up in this house to be what God's called them to be. And it's our responsibility as spiritual fathers to see them outdistance who we are. That's a dad, that's what a dad hopes for. So here's what I want to do. I, I will give you the opportunity to make this a defining moment. I've had many in my lifetime, and this won't be a defining moment for everybody, but I pray that it will be for some. If you're a young person in this room, up until the age of 18, I want you to come stand right here with me, right here. And I know some of you are going, I don't want to do that. I know you don't want to do that. Come here anyway. Come on. our tongue, what we say over this generation matters. And some of us don't say things that really believe in this generation, but I want to tell you, we need to practice believing in this generation and what God wants to do in them. If you're in your 20s, and only if you feel the Holy Spirit pricking your heart, making this a moment for you to decide your destiny, I want you to come stand right here. I know you're cool. But if you feel like this is a God moment for you in your 20s, I want you to stand right here. Fathers in this house are going to pray over you.
Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you'd like to partner with us, you have the opportunity to give online at providencecommunity.org. 